Are they fighting with fondue pokers? <laughs> they were special ritualized fondue pokers. Is that like communion fondue? Yes. <laughs> That's like the most 70s way to die ever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today we're talking about The Omen from 1976. What do you think about, so in the beginning of the movie, it starts out with him in Rome, like rushing to the hospital, and you just hear this voice saying, the child is dead, the child is dead, or the child died, the child died, and then you find out he's getting to the hospital, his wife was having a baby, and then that baby died, so supposedly it was stillborn, we're made to assume that. So the priest is telling him about it, but they haven't told his wife that yet. And then the priest convinces him to take this other baby that was born at exactly the same time as his baby died. And that baby's mother died at exactly the same time. So he's like, oh, it's destiny. God's giving you this child. And you can spare your wife and not even let her know that the other baby died. So Gregory Peck takes this baby and raises it as their own and lets his wife think that it is theirs. But really, it wasn't because there's died or was murdered by that priest. We don't really know for sure. It's kind of like, what do you think? think? I think that um, it was murdered. Okay. Because they knew that he was in a position of power. Mm -hmm. And he needed to get into their hands. Yeah. And his best friend, not only was the timing right of the births, but also it's a person in a position of power who's who's best friends, actual best friends with the president of the United States. Right. And then by the end of the movie, Damien has maneuvered himself through a series of misfortunate events to being the new child in the White House. When do you remember seeing this movie? Well, I was just going to ask you the same question. I mean, um, I'm going to say that I feel like I saw it at your house. I feel like I feel <laughs> I like saw- we saw it together. For the, we we saw it together for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was one of those movies that we were probably ten. Yeah, and Nana was like, "Hey, pick out your own movies now. You guys are adults." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so uh i was pretty anxious to see this one i had already seen the exorcist and poltergeist i feel like there's oh and rosemary's baby yes so it's well versed in satan <laughs> <laughs> the church lady <laughs> yeah this definitely made me think of rosemary's baby and when i was watching it too i feel like we need to watch that one at some point because i know mm. i watched that one with you I'm completely obsessed with that movie. Mm-hmm. So much to say. Do you remember being like scared or what did this movie do to you? I I didn't feel scared. I felt incredibly annoyed. And I was like, this kid is such a fucking brat. And every time he's around, it's really loud. Whenever we are at this birthday party for mm-hmm. Damien, it's his fifth birthday um, the nanny and Damien walk up to Robert and Damien has some sort of a candy that is um, shaped like 
let's say a cigar. It had a cigar like shape and sticks it in Robert's mouth to take a bite out of. And I I didn't pay attention to that, honestly. Oh, well, okay. So I thought it was interesting because it actually marked because up to that point, we get we get this fantasy world of this family. And we also see this photo mon this awesome photo montage of all the fun they have. Yeah. And with with Damien. So then everything's hunky dory. And then the beginning of the end. And it all starts with when Damien sticks that candy bar in his dad's mouth and has him take a bite out of it. There's a blatant phallic symbol right here with this candy bar. Huh. And Damien. <laughs> go back and rewatch it. He's like, and he like shoves it in his mouth. Okay. He's like shoving the candy bar in his dad's mouth and his dad's like, oh, okay. And he takes a bite. And then he walks off and very soon afterwards, his mom, Kathy, walks up and grabs Damien and gets very um, possessive of him. Yeah. With the nanny. You know, so this is the this is the first omen that Damien's evil. And then um, at the time that this movie was made, a lot of younger men were insisting that, like, life should be very different than the way they were raised. And so it was a, I think that the older people felt betrayed by their children mm-hmm. and that part of this movie is demonstrating the fears of the great gener, the greatest generation's fears of the youth today. And that candy bar <laughs> going into daddy's mouth really sealed the deal it was kind of like the communion yeah the satanic communion that candy bar suddenly at the birthday party the the mom yeah it's like you said she suddenly realizes like all the pictures of my son are going to be with the nanny because it's when she's going to get her picture yeah. taken with him again and then the mom steps in and is like i'll hold him even though that's what's happening in reality, she doesn't want it documented for everyone that her son actually spends all of his time with the nanny instead of her. She doesn't like Damien. And she doesn't want to be around him. Mm-hmm. And who can blame her? There's something unsettling. And I think we've all been around people that were, like, unsettling. Definitely. Just sucks if it's your own child. Well, that's why you shouldn't have kids. You just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> it's like a box of chocolates. Like Damien literally drains the life force out of his dad. Part of the Oedipal complexes. Because like, you know, everybody talks about the part of it of like the son wanting to kill the dad. Yeah. How do you feel when your son wants to kill you? Well, it's in the 70s. So it's already started. Like it started in the 60s with the whole counterculture and yeah, wanting to change everything up. And having long hair, being a hippie, looking like a girl. Like, my dad definitely went through that with his parents. Because my grandpa was, like, a preacher. And my dad was, like, a hippie. And him and his brother, and they had long hair. 
And you had to have like permission to have long hair at the high school. And so him and my mom worked in the office at she was went to a different high school, but she worked in the office at her high school. So she had access to like some of the materials and they printed out like fake um ID permission slip things <laughs> saying that they had permission to have long hair. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They had to do that just to go to school with hair like below their chin or something. So my parents were part of the revolution. It's pretty cool. I think that explains a lot about your personality. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a good, um, yeah, that's like another good subplot of the movie that I didn't think about. Their youth, their progeny coming along and threatening their way of life and changing everything. Well, and Damien's and like an extreme example. The younger generation of politicians are agents of satan Mm. with Mm -hmm. their liberal ideas coming riding into town telling everybody that gay people are okay and women are okay and black people are okay and whatever else kind of crazy shenanigans these youths want to get into Uh. (laughs) so this movie makes me kind of like have a panic attack (laughs) but again it's just like it's overstimulating yes to the senses Mm -hmm. it's like you feel like you feel like you're being chased by the hounds of hell in your ears like through your ears i feel like this movie is one of the reasons why i never had kids and damien is like an asshole um, he's not even trying to be really because he's just a kid, but he's so annoying and like all the noises and annoyance that come with him. I feel like this played a part, like maybe even subconsciously of why I just never felt like having children. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so there's the whole religious aspect, but then I feel like also the undertones of like how when you have a child, it's basically killing you slowly. And as the mother, it's always killing you and draining you of your life force and you lose like yourself and you just become the mother. It's basically killing you like he did to his mom in a more direct way, but indirectly the child is draining your life force. And she had his mother in the movie. She had like a nanny and maids and everything else. And she still was just like, get him out of here. I don't want to listen to him. (laughs) It's like, you're only with him for probably like 10 minutes a day, lady. So for normal moms, imagine. I love all of the stuff that you just said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Kathy's relationship with Robert. They're one of those couples that like, they don't need to have kids. They're husband and wife, but then also like he's her daddy. Oh, and she likes it. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, first off, you know, he's a lot older than she is. Yeah. I felt like she had this relationship with him where she felt very comfortable being taken care of by him. And also, if you're a housewife, you are in a daddy relationship with your husband <laughs> because you don't have financial power. And so that does change the dynamic of your relationship. Now that's mitigated if you have children because then you become a mother. But she was very willing to hand off the kid to a nanny immediately because she she wanted to spend all of her time with her husband. 
she clearly realized she didn't want a kid or would she have engaged with her child very differently except that he always felt different damien always felt different and so no one ever actually bonded with him hmm. in the first place yeah the thing about damien is that he's just like hey I love the feeling around me of people getting upset. Okay, so Damien is finding joy every time an adult is in terror. And that's just naturally who he is. He loves fear just as much as like a regular five-year-old loves joy. And for people around her to be giggly and happy. And like the scene where... He's with his mom and they they go to one of the most depressing places in the world. The drive-thru zoo. Yes. <laughs> or the wedding. Oh, <laughs> uh, the drive-thru zoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, weddings are great. Yes, the weddings can be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the baboons. This was the scene I felt like where I actually was scared. Mm-hmm. It was like the birds, but with baboons. Yeah. Everything had this really Hitchcock feel to it in that particular scene. But you see Damien in the car roll over onto his mom. But it's like he doesn't really seem scared. He seems fascinated by it, and he's drawn to the fact that his mom is scared. It's almost like his version of affection can only take place when his mom is terrified. Like, that's the only time he feels comfortable Ew. is around terror. He's the original drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that scene. Like, that's definitely one of the most memorable, and it is terrifying. The baboons, I feel like baboons are already terrifying just with their teeth and their crazy hair and, you know, the rest of them. But <laughs> that scene is so scary. And I wonder, like, what they did to make them act up like that and attack the car. I was wondering, like, did they put, like, another baboon inside the car to get them to come after it? You know what I mean? Like, how did they get them to act that way? Because they were clearly actually, like, wanting to kill whatever was in the car. I just wonder what they did to get that scene. Uh, Who knows? It made going to the zoo different after that. <laughs> as a child. Well, there's two there's two things with that scene. Don't go to the zoo because it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But then also if you do go to the zoo and the animals start running away from <laughs> any of the little kids you're with, stay away from that kid. Because <laughs> they're advice. evil. <laughs> The scene whenever Catherine and Robert are picking out their house, you know, Robert's now an ambassador to Britain and the house is like really giant and Robert's kind of like, uh, this house is really (laughs) excessive. (laughs) And she's like, oh, come on, darling, you're going to be the president. And then he's like, he's like, you know. You could be too sexy for the White House. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) This guy is a really great husband. And that is so rare (laughs) 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 to see in the movies that we have been watching. The fact that he would be tasked with killing a child 
is the ultimate test of God. Like this is like the Abraham Isaac story, right? Yeah. I'm thinking, what God is this that would want to torment you to make sure you're loyal? Like that sounds sociopathic to me. That doesn't sound like anything I want to have a part of, you know? And like that stood out to me too as a kid. And it was just one more thing that had me going like, I don't want anything to do with the church. It's ghastly. And then like <laughs> he has this priest chasing after him, which by <laughs> the way, like this priest needs like serious coaching and how to talk to people. <laughs> I know that's like exactly what I wrote down pretty much. It's like he needs to work on his delivery. If you really have an important message to get across to someone, work on your delivery. He's like coming in hot and rambling. And especially for someone who, if you're not Catholic and you just start telling someone like, you need to drink the blood of Christ and eat his flesh. It's like, dude, where are you coming from with this? So if you're Catholic, you're like, okay, that's taking communion. But if you're not, that could sound very extreme and make it hard for someone to believe the rest of what you have to say. Well, later we find out he's on morphine. I mean, I've never seen anyone on morphine act like that. I was going to ask you about that. Like, <laughs> it was more like methy to me. <laughs> he he shows up like right around the same time that Mrs. Balak shows up. Yeah. Who's Damien's nanny, who's like an agent of Satan. <laughs> and she uh, very quickly isolates Damien from his family and encourages any sort of like satanic activity. The priest shows up at the same time. So I was like, what if this is some weird like long con between <laughs> the priest and Mrs. Balak? And they're actually just like gaslighting this family oh. to gain control. And Damien's just like this poor kid had a traumatic birthing experience. And so he didn't really have good um, attachment abilities as an infant and was like very cranky. So then, you know, the bonding wasn't there because they were always nervous around him because he cries a lot. And then the dad in the back of his mind is going, well, this kid isn't really mine. I don't really know where this kid is from. Which, I mean, isn't that like a huge fear that men have generally? Mm -hmm. Of like, is this kid really mine? Because really, do you ever really know? Like, I'm sure there's lots of men who have thought that. I mean, isn't that how we got the patriarchy in the first place? Mm -hmm. That's what Maury Povich is for. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, shit, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, it's like the long con with Mrs. Blaine. Oh, right, right. And the priest. <laughs> I mean, I'm half joking. But uh... at the same time, I'm like, what if this guy is just going like nuts because these this priest is like harassing him. There's this crazy nanny and this dog that growls <laughs> whenever the, anyone comes near the kid. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, as the movie progresses, it's clear that it's Satan, but mm -hmm. 
it was fun to entertain the idea that something else is going on and that Satan has nothing to do with it. Now, I don't actually think Satan has anything to do with it because I don't think Satan is real. Satan is our collective shadow that we don't want to look at. And it's been projected into this personification that's actually become a vibrational frequency that has some sort of influence. And the the thing that energizes it is fear. So any way you perpetuate fear, you could say is of Satan. Okay, so here's the problem with that, though. One of the biggest organizations that perpetuates fear is the church. They tell you that you're dirty from birth. They tell you that you have to repent. And they tell you that you can only follow a certain set of rules and worship a certain God in a certain way, thus making people hate themselves and feeling like they're wrong no matter what they do. How is that not satanic? Mm. Whenever you have any sort of organization or person like warning you about the ways of these other people and you shouldn't do this because this is what they're doing and it's bad. Bet my bottom dollar that the person telling you that is the one that's actually doing those things. And it's like a sleight of hand trick that magicians pull. Mm hmm. Also, ugh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I need a break. I need to cool off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, methinks thou dost protest too much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you notice these guys always get busted for weird sex shit. I and so, know. Here's my other thing, Okay. So, you know, have you ever heard people say like, well, well, dear, if you didn't have a Bible to follow, then how would you know right from wrong? And I'm like, don't you have like the internal compass of that whenever you do something shitty, you don't feel good inside. And so then you don't do it again. So to me, whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh, you need somebody else to tell you that. Because you don't trust yourself that you actually have that inside of you because you feel like you have quote unquote demons that <laughs> need some sort of like established place where they can be restricted, like a church, which I guess is good because maybe that that keeps a lot of like people from doing a lot of crappy stuff that maybe they would actually do because it also like teaches people to cover up a lot of horrible shit that is happening because there's also this whole like appearance thing. Everything has to look a certain way. It's just it, the whole thing is a, it's just like a clusterfuck of fears. And it's so fucked up to me too, because the frequency of Jesus Christ, <laughs> if you actually like, if, if these people that are running around talking about Satan, you know, these terrified people, hell and brimstone and all of that stuff if they like sat down and breathed into their hearts and then like asked to feel the love of jesus like you can't feel that and also believe these things 
that are being perpetuated in this movie about what it means to love Jesus or to be one with God or to accept Jesus or drink his blood. Jesus doesn't want you to have guilt and that you're actually like worshiping fear because you think you're fundamentally wrong because you were born and that your body's bad. That doesn't make any sense. And I've read the Bible and I took two semesters of like Bible studies at you did? college. Yeah. Wow. Did you read the whole Bible? I read the Bible in high school. Oh God. Front, front to back, baby. Whoa. What inspired you to do that? I was in a class with this guy who was a fundamentalist Christian. And I was talking to someone else and we were we were just talking about being outside and how beautiful it was. Like it was a very very common, sweet conversation between acquaintances, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I said, it's just such a good reminder that we're all God. Did that set him off? No, he, the guy I was talking to was like, yeah, Uh you know, but the other guy, the fundamentalist, of course, butts into the conversation. Yeah. Because he was asked, and um, it's like, you you can't say that. And so he starts going off on me and like calling me like an agent of Satan or whatever. And yeah. I started laughing because it was so absurd. He was like, you don't know about Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I know where there's a Bible. <laughs> I'm going to go find out about Jesus. <laughs> so that's what prompted me to read it. And was even more convinced that it wasn't for me and that it was a tool to manipulate people and that they had hijacked Jesus Christ, who is a beautiful, beautiful frequency in the feeling of divine love and unity for all things. Complete opposite of what this movie is on any level. It's true. (laughs) There is no channeling of beauty in this movie at all. So. Kind of like back to your theory about Miss Baylock and the priest. Mm-hmm. I was curious. So the priest that comes in to give the father like a warning about his son. He's coming. He We found out later that he has cancer and he's going mm-hmm. to die soon. So because he knows he's going to die soon, is that why he finally feels like compelled to come tell him the truth of what's going on? Or is it because he's realizing now that like Damien is coming into power now that he's turned five? Like what's making him finally come talk to him? Okay, and then one more question. So, like, why does this priest have the mark of the beast on his thigh? He's a he's part of a line of humans who have been trying to breed the Antichrist into being. It's a subsect of the Catholic priesthood. If you can bring about revelations, it means that all of the people that are forgiven get to go to heaven where everything's sweet. So who doesn't want that? If you're a true believer, they're not actually Satanists. They're just trying to be, to like bring about the, the revelations prophecy of the end of the world. It's like, like at Disney world, you get like a fast pass. They're trying to get like a fast pass to heaven and just bring everyone there sooner. That's exactly. 
Maybe that's it. Because actually his mark of the beast was a tattoo, right? And Damien's mm-hmm. was like genet- like a birthmark. Mm-hmm. It was raised skin. And it actually mm-hmm. looked like ringworm. Damien's. It did look like. What if it was? Maybe it was just ringworm. And this was all part of the plot <laughs> of the priest. <laughs> Miss Baylock. Yeah. I gave him ringworm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe that makes sense because otherwise I don't understand why the priest would have the mark of the beast and then why he would be coming to warn the dad about Damien now. It's like he had a change of heart or something. The question really about Damien. So we know Damien's mom is a jackal. So who's the father? They have to breed. Right. So they probably have to channel because you need you need a conduit. Because where's the seed coming from to make the, the human, seed. the human? <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so I think yeah. the priest that came to talk to Robert is Damien's real father. Somebody has to have intercourse oh. to provide the seed to make the human part of the Antichrist, right? And now he's realizing that this isn't the way because it may be like whenever he got, he realized he had cancer and he was dying. He was like, wait a second. I don't want everybody to die. Like there's more people that could be saved or however people think that think that they need to save people. No, I think you're right. That makes sense. Cause he knows that Damien was born of a jackal. Yeah. So he had sex with a jackal. Yeah, which I was thinking about a lot whenever he would come on camera. Ew. I was like, this is this is so gross to me. Also, wait, when did some when did Son of Sam happen? Oh man, I just saw this on Unsolved Mysteries yesterday. I feel like it was 1976 or 78 or something. Because this came out in 76, and I'm like, did he get the idea for the black dog telling him what to do from this movie? Oh, my God. I'm going to look it up. Um, Well, the attacks began in the summer of 76. Interesting. When did this movie come out? I'm going to look it up. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's the Black Dog that is the messenger Mm. that when the Black Dog, the Rottweiler, um, looks at the nanny at the beginning in that at the birthday party, then after the dog makes direct eye contact with her is when she... Hangs herself at the birthday party. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It was released in the summer of 76. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh my God. He totally got the idea from this movie. You're right. (laughs) Bombshell. It came out on June 25th, 1976. It's like, couldn't you get this done um, like a couple weeks earlier and have it come out on June 6th of 1976? They were really slacking off there. What the hell? That's weird. They missed the ball. Missed the boat. Dropped the ball. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Okay. um, So we know that David Berkowitz was just making it up. And he was thinking of the Rottweilers and the Omen. Good one, Dave. (laughs) See, this is why I should have been the detective on the Son of Sam case. So Kathy and Robert are lying in bed and they have really great chemistry in this movie. And I feel like 
they just needed to not have a baby and they could have just been a couple who has a really hot sex life. But anyway, so Kathy says, what could be wrong with our child, Robert? We're the beautiful people, aren't we? What do you think about that? I mean, so when she said that, I feel like she was just being sarcastic, right? Like, I thought she was just being like, there is something wrong. And Mm -hmm. like, we know that we shouldn't have anything wrong because we're like this perfect couple. You're a diplomat and we're well known and we know the president and the first lady. So everything has to be perfect with us. So we can't even think about admitting that something's wrong with our kid, even though we know that something is like they're both in denial, really. Mm-hmm. But they can kind of sense it's like they are both in denial. And I noticed that they do have a really great relationship. Like, I love the relationship. But there are certain things where it's like they're not talking to each other about it. They're like skating around it. Everything to do with Damien. So when she wants to see a psychiatrist, she like doesn't really tell him what's wrong. Like when her husband's asking what's wrong, what's wrong. She doesn't really want to talk to him about it. But she says, like, I need to see a psychiatrist. And then she's like, find me a psychiatrist. Find me a doctor. And he's like, I will. I will. And then once she does, then she's like, the, my doctor wants to talk to you. So it's like they can't talk to each other about it because they just can't face that there is something wrong with their child and their life isn't perfect. And they're using him as like the the psychiatrist as like a go-between kind of like, go talk to my doctor so he can tell you what's wrong with me because she can't tell him all these feelings that she's having about Damien that she doesn't think Damien's really hers, that she doesn't really love Damien. He seems foreign to her. And so even even though their marriage was really good and strong, these are things that she just doesn't even feel like she can bring up to him. I don't know. It made me think about like postpartum depression and how women also have like postpartum psychosis and things like that. And how women are basically made to feel like you're supposed to feel maternal. You're supposed to feel only love towards your child. You're supposed to always be nurturing no matter what time of day, no matter what they need. And if you don't, there's something wrong. And this is, that's what this whole thing made me think of, of how like women have had postpartum depression and even postpartum psychosis forever, but they haven't been able to talk about it or they've been like made ashamed to talk about it or feelings that they're having. And that's what this is like echoing to me. Women should kind of hidden away while they're pregnant Mm -hmm. because pregnancy is as as evidence that you've had sex. (laughs) Gross. Wasn't like Lucy Ball the first woman to be pregnant on TV? Uh, I don't know. That sounds totally right. Controversial (laughs) at the time. She's amazing. I know. She's awesome. I I actually don't think that show is funny at all, (laughs) but I love her. Yeah. And I think she's super beautiful. She is. It's just the whole thing of like, you're supposed to want to be a mother. You're supposed to have kids and it's like your duty. But then we don't want to look at you while you're in the process of doing it. And we don't want to think about what you had to do to get those kids. (laughs) And we don't want to hear you complain about it either. Because then that just (laughs) means you're doing it wrong because Mm -hmm. you're not born right. Because you should naturally know how to do all of this. Yeah. You're a woman. And you should love every minute of it. Wow. Yeah. Those messages are so weird. And like, I never wanted children. Like, even when I was really little. Mm-hmm. Like, think about us. Like, we never played with dolls or anything like that. It's like Barbie is different. 
I remember playing with Barbie, but we would like cut her hair. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we would like cut her hair into like mohawks and stuff and yeah. draw like tattoos on her. <laughs> yeah. We we had like I had like this whole ongoing soap opera with the Barbie <laughs> village and the basement, which was really yeah. great because like I really did have like a a real soap opera going on. And then when I met like around the time I met you, I was getting out of the Barbie thing. Yeah. And so it was like, well, obviously the punker, like the punk rock people are going to roll into town and like take the town over and <laughs> everything's going to get destroyed over time. And that's what we did to it. And it was really weird, actually, when I think about it, how I just like destroyed that. It was almost like destroying an image that I had of the way things were supposed to be in the world, you know? Cause like that, that was like right around the time when I was like need to, needing to give up Barbie. That was right around the time when I really started to see it, the stuff about the adults, like what we talked about in Heather's, you know, those all right around that time of understanding that like the adults, you know, really aren't safe. And that they're just like wounded and mm-hmm. reacting out of their own pain and wounds and, you know, reactivity to emotions they don't understand. And part of the thing that the emotion they don't understand is because we're not encouraged to express our emotions. And so instead, they get stuffed into like the back of our head. They manifest in these really violent fear charged ways that people call Satan. That's what I think Satan is just to round back to that. So I feel like if everybody collectively did their shadow work, which is basically just being like, Oh my God, I'm a fucking animal. We're animals and we're going to die. It's propaganda. That's telling you like in the case of the church, it's telling you that your body is dirty and the 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 human animal desire that you have is a filthy filthy thing of satan and that your only path to salvation is denying the material well this is so convenient because it means that you become more willing to give your money to the church so that the priesthood can live high on the hog because you're you're filthy and you shouldn't enjoy things because enjoying things in the material realm are the works of Satan. The best thing to do would be to give what you have to the church so that they can spread the message that we're, our bodies are filthy. So that they can get more people to feel bad about how filthy their bodies are so that they can get more money. Historically... The church had all the money. Catholic church was, it was the over government for all of the other countries that were Mm -hmm. Roman Catholic countries. They have all the money. Meanwhile, there's like people starving all over the place, starving and dying and feeling horrible. And you have this priest class that is drinking wine and getting foot massages and hanging out with quote unquote whores. What? 
seriously look into the history of the Roman Catholic Church and the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Like they had to issue like edicts that like the priests can't have sex with the nuns and like stuff like that. Like it wasn't what we think of now. It's very interesting. Yeah. My grandma told me a story a long time ago. I think it was her stepdad or someone like that was working. They were doing construction in um she lived in San Antonio around there and they were doing some kind of work in like a nunnery mm-hmm. is that the proper term i always just call it a I, nunnery I love like a monastery term. for women yeah but um and when they were taking down the walls they found like babies skeletons mm-hmm. of babies mm-hmm. in the walls mm-hmm. because they're having sex yeah because they're humans jesus is for everyone and, and you don't need an intermediary. All you got to do is ask to receive the feeling of love for for the sake of it, for the sake of existing. And that's like that's like the exact opposite of everything that the Catholic Church is saying in this movie. And like this movie is advocating for Catholicism and like for this idea of like this evangelical, like literal end of the world thing. I got that because at the end of the movie, it has a quote from the Bible that told us that our bodies are dirty. I looked it up because I was just wondering about Roe v. Wade because abortion's like such a part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1973. So this movie was being made close to that time. Oh, see, I don't and, think. Hmm? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I don't think that. I think under normal circumstances, if she had wanted to get an abortion, I actually think um, that he would have gone along. uh, Robert would have gone along with it. I think the reason that he didn't want Kathy to get an abortion is because he thought if this child lives, that means that the priest is wrong and my son isn't the Antichrist. Was that the vibe you were getting? Yeah, he kind of said something to that effect, like it's been prophesied that this child will die or something, so I want to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like he probably would have gone along with it, except for this prophecy. So he wanted to try to stop Damien and let the other child be born. Yeah, how do you feel about him not telling his wife the truth? Like he's doing it to spare her feelings and so she doesn't have to go through the pain of knowing that their child died. This is in the same category as when Kathy asks Robert to go see her psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. You need to go talk to my doctor about me. Daddy. Like your parent speaks to your doctor. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way in which I feel like she's really better suited temperament wise to be in that relationship with him just without children so that was very common back then because you know because it was also common practice of like the psychiatrist to call the husband after the consultation yeah and to and to report yeah because the because the woman is a child fundamentally I mean, women couldn't even get their own credit card or bank account until, like, the 70s or something, I swear. I mean, the elaborate maneuvers that 
men have gone through to make sure that women don't leave mm-hmm. them is really heartbreaking. So you yeah. think he should have told her? The clear decision would be to be like, hey, buddy, like, I got to go talk to my wife. And then he would be like, here's what's up. There's this baby. You know, like, that's what any woman, I th- most women, I would say, uh, most women would want their husbands to do. That's the right thing to do in the sense of, like, she's a human. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and his equal however maybe there were some women i think there's there's some women who were fine with their station of being taken care of that way and being sheltered and i know that because i knew some women that were like that that were much older than me when i was little and like some great aunts and they were repulsed by the women's movement oh no yeah You know, Mm -hmm. and that, and, and even as a child, like that was incredible. Some of the things I would hear them say is just very misogynistic and very threatened because they never learned how to take care of themselves in the material world. So the fact that there were women demanding that was scary to them because then it was like, oh, that might mean that men will stop doing, will stop taking care of us. And that's scary because I don't know how to do that. I'm like 60 and, you know, 1980, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or older. So I don't know if she would prefer it because she does ask him to talk to the doctor, which to me says like my preference is to defer my power. So if her preference is to defer her power, then maybe it was the best decision. Or on the other hand, it probably wasn't. Now, what I think kept him safe for so long is that he held doubts the longest that Damien was the Antichrist. Everybody else that died became convinced very clearly. Whenever the nanny was shown the face of Satan through the dog, and she committed suicide. This is what happens when you're exposed with certainty to the face of Satan, right? Mm-hmm. Like you die. But then there's also the people that died, like they knew that Damien was a conduit. Robert held out the longest. He wasn't convinced until he had physical proof. I like to think that that was deliberate. <laughs> Because I did have the question of, like, why does he get to be the one that lives the longest? Like, okay, so logically, as a murderer, one would knock out the most powerful person in the group. Like, if you want to knock out a group, Mm -hmm. you want to take down the most powerful one first. Because then if you take the leader down, the group disperses. So you would think that, like, they would, that Satan would know that and that Satan would take down Robert first. So I was thinking this whole movie, I'm like, how do I respond to Satan? How do you diffuse the dense vibrational frequencies of Satan, if you want to call it that, or evil, or what people call like, like psychopathic energy? What is happening when this person is being a conduit of psychopathic energy? They are creating fear situations for other people. 
they're making other people terrified Mm -hmm. and they're getting off on it. They like it. That's the, the only, okay. So you know how, whenever you're like in a situation and you feel joy and like your whole body's in it and you're just like, yes, like this is like, Ooh, I feel alive. And like, I feel so good. And like everyone around me is having this beautiful time and everyone's laughing and it's just so beautiful. And okay. So you take somebody like Damien and you put him in that vibrational frequency of this group who's feeling joy. He's going to react to that. The way that he panicked with the thought of going into the church, the closer they got to the church. So he, he would react the same way because he can't process the frequencies of like the finer vibrational frequencies of love, like his equipment, his like meat suit, body equipment (laughs) can't handle, (laughs) can't handle that frequency, but it can handle the frequencies of fear in other people with the same body sensations that we get when we're at a really good concert and everyone's just like vibing together and it's very joyful. So that is so sad, you know? So when I think about it like that, then I can see people that could be called psychopathic for what they really are, which is people that can't process the frequencies of love, which is the saddest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And so I can easily drop into my heart with that. It was weird because when I faced death, in a completely literal way at the hands of someone that I should have been able to trust, I dropped into love. And I have to say that I felt the angels with me. And I don't know how I got to my car Wow! from having a gun held to my head. It was a miracle. From having what? A a gun held to my head. Oh my God. Um, It was a miracle. I went down two flights of stairs and down a whole block in what seemed to be 0.5 seconds. It was very, it was like I slipped into a different timeline. In that moment, I only felt love. I felt no fear. And that Somehow that disarmed the perpetrator. Wow. When I got to my car and I was driving and then I went, that happened in like 0.5 seconds. Like I magically transported to my car. Like Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I have to always strive for love in every situation because I just, it just came in, in that moment. And it was like, it was like what happened, I think, is that I could feel the perpetrator's pain that I don't even think he could feel. 
clearly he couldn't because if he could, he probably wouldn't have been acting in any of the ways that he was, you know. It just confirmed, you know, like when we were kids, we were so into occult stuff. Yeah. It was so good to have someone to indulge in that. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's kind of a weird hobby for little kids. (laughs) Um, Right. But in that, but in that moment, like I knew all of that stuff was real because it was like I had experienced all of it at once. Mm -hmm. And it was like, from that moment on, I knew that everything was different about me and in my life and who I was. And that I was like, I was thrown onto a completely different track. It was like I had hopped trains. It's been awesome. (laughs) Um, Of course, I had like horrible PTSD and stuff too, um, to, you know, move through, but that's all interesting as well. But what I'm saying is that if Everybody who is acting against the Antichrist are also anti-ing. They're in a state of reaction. They're in a state of fear. The thing that you're acting against is the thing that you're actively in. Frequencies that move slowly together and gain more attractiveness and collect more frequencies of the same sort and then slowly become a almost like you could say almost like a being that is now needing more of that energy so it does things to get that energy right so like Mm. the news media (laughs) is a good example of like an out of control monster that feeds on fear so and it, and you and when you sit there and you look at it and you get off of it you can tell it's palpable the change in your mood and your energy and all of that stuff and that's most people feel that way when they look at news media and it's a big stressor and then it's like well why are you stra- why are you doing that and it's because you're being pulled into something that like has collected into a mind of its own but you're part of a group Mm -hmm. you know too so there's this also weird draw because there's like a belonging because you do you feel a part of something so I it just seems like Satan works that way and it seems like the church works that way and it seems like anything that you follow works that way if you have Jesus though in your heart and you let your heart shine bright with understanding for other people's horrible shit and you can go I know you're in pain that's Mm -hmm. not going to excuse anybody from any horrible shit like that's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about like you can be like you clearly need to be contained serial killer right Mm -hmm. that's very different than yeah you need to eye for an eye that whole thing right one energy is i want to protect help protect people and keep people safe so we need to like figure out a rational way to contain the situation or fire and brimstone like let's do more of the same and have the same energy and it's like i think it i think that 
there's a statistic of places, states that have capital punishment actually have higher murder rates than states that don't. Hmm. So the warning isn't working. (laughs) Like the threat of death isn't stopping people from killing other people. And in fact, it increases the frequency of the desire to spread that frequency. Mm -hmm. It's like self-perpetuating. So instead of being anti-hate, just be pro-love. I mean, doesn't that feel totally different? Yeah, it has a totally different vibe. Mm-hmm. Pro-love. I'm also, but I'm also not, I'm not talking about forgiveness either. You're not talking about forgiveness? No, I'm not talking about forgiveness at all. I'm talking about okay. under, I'm talking about understanding uh-huh. that that goes back to the saying, I don't know where it came from, hurt people, hurt people. And you, you never hurt people unless you're hurting. And that's just how it is. And so, and just, if you can always go back to that, that I think, you know, you don't have to end up being like this guy, like the priest that's going around introducing himself by telling people to drink blood. (laughs) (laughs) Subtlety is not his strong point. (laughs) My favorite quote is when the priest walks in to Robert's office for the first time. And like his opening line, his elevator pitch, if you will, is accept the Lord Jesus, drink his blood, drink his blood. Yeah, he's coming on strong. It makes it seem maybe the people that made the movie aren't into the Catholic Church, but I I really think. think that they are. Because of the Bible quote at the end, that's what makes me, that's what like seals the deal for me. So the Bible quote at the end says like the mark will be on a human, but it's the mark of the beast. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is six. Six, six. Revelations chapter 13, verses 18. I feel like I'm back in church, in my Southern Baptist church. <laughs> they really say, I mean, like we've always heard this. And like you said, we always were kind of like interested in the occult. I feel like 80s was like stranger danger and satanic panic time and always hearing about this and hearing about like, playing records backwards and Judas priests and stuff like that. And there's like satanic messages and always knowing like six, 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 but so it actually says that in the Bible, like it says those numbers. Yeah. Specifically. Cause I always, it's so weird, but there's also a theory that the book of revelations was originally a story about Nero and Nero's uh, persecution of the Christians. Oh, and that it was told in a sort of code because it was initially the story was at a time when Christians were still being persecuted and the uh, numerical representation for Nero is also 666. This is a fun fact. Yeah. Bible is literature, baby. Okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a whole other vibe to the book of revelations. 
I think it's the church telling on itself how it hijacked the message of Jesus Christ. You think that's what Revelations is? Man, there's so much to unravel here. Well, there's a lot of levels in it, and I've spent so much of my life thinking about them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you read the whole Bible, so... I mean, not many people have done that. A lot of people talk about the Bible and quote the Mm -hmm. Bible, but very few have actually read the entire thing or even Mm -hmm. most of it. So then at the end, so the dad, what's his name, Robert? He's like traveled all the way. He listened to what that crazy priest told him and he went to the city of like, Jezbeel and found the town of Megiddon and which is like short for Armageddon they say mm-hmm. like the end of the world right. and then he found Dr. Bugenhagen or someone who's doing an archaeological dig there and that's the only man that will be able to tell him how to get rid of Damien <laughs> how to kill him so him and the photographer go on this mission to find this guy and then he gives him so the Dr. Bugenhagen is like yes he's Satan and you've got to kill him you've got to kill him in a certain way with these knives in a certain formation when the dad leaves, he's like, tells the photographer guy who was accompanying him, like, oh, he told me I have to kill him, but I don't think I can. Like, he's just a little boy. And the photographer's like, he's not a boy. He's, you know, evil. He's Satan. And then he's like, I don't think I can do it. And he throws the knives down. And then the photographer's like, then I'll do it. And when he goes to grab the knives, at that same time, like a truck full of glass panes is oh backing up. Oh, my God. No. And no. one of the panes slides off and decapitates the photographer. So, it's kind of graphic. I thought it seemed pretty real. For 70s movie, they did a pretty good job. It was so graphic. And I didn't know it was coming. Did you remember it? I didn't remember it. Like, isn't that interesting that we saw this when we were little kids? Yeah, I feel like, like that would have been scarred into my brain, but I didn't remember. So either I blocked it out or like I covered my eyes at that moment or something. I don't know. I know I was scared of rods after seeing this movie. Like whenever I would see like a rod or um, <laughs> yeah. like a um a fence that has like pokies on top. Yeah. Um I, what are those called? On the um, fence. I know. It's like a wrought iron fence with, yeah. I think they're called pokies. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of it. So, yeah. So then poor Robert has to like watch this guy get beheaded. It's like he just found yeah. out his wife died. Or actually, at that point, he didn't. Did he know then that she was dead yet? He, I can't remember the order. Yeah. But... He did. Okay. He's having like a terrible day. So after that happens, I think that further convinces him, like, okay, Satan is definitely involved in this. I've got to kill Damien. And, um, yeah, so in the meantime, like, while he was on this journey, then his wife, he was trying to warn his wife, like, okay, I'm convinced Damien is evil. You need to get out of um, London, come back to Rome. And then um, Miss Baylock, while the wife's getting ready to leave the hospital to get out of town, Miss Baylock comes to the hospital and just... I guess pushes the wife out the window. Mm-hmm. So the wife has a broken arm from her fall when Damien like pushed her over the balcony and she's trying to get her like gown off and then it gets caught over her head. 
And she's standing right by a window. And so she's wearing like a blue dress. And then she has like this white gown. And then it's pulled over her head like a veil whenever Miss Baylock comes. So she kind of looks like the Virgin Mary or something in the blue and white. Like the way she's always depicted. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. It's like, it's like Miss Baylock killed Mother Mary. Yeah. Oh, have you ever been stuck in a piece of clothing like that before? (laughs) Yes. It was a nightmare. (laughs) I feel like that happens a lot when you're a kid too. And then mm-hmm. like the kids have meltdowns over that stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, I guess Miss Baylock pushes her out the window because mm-hmm. her arm is broken and she's caught up in this gown. She can't like get mm-hmm. out of the way in time. So then she falls out the window and lands in an ambulance, which mm-hmm. is like <laughs> ironic. So she's like dies in an ambulance, which would normally be saving your life. It's like a horrible joke. It is. <laughs> they didn't need to put that part. No. <laughs> Also, like, when the priest, the crazy proselytizing priest, gets impaled, it's, like, slow motion. It's, like, he sees the rod coming for so long, and he just stands there, like, no, Mm -hmm. waving his arms, but he doesn't move at all. And it's, like, it could have moved, like, one inch (laughs) over, and you would still be alive right now. It felt very, like, David Lynch-y for me. (laughs) Yeah. Because there was, like, this weird humor because in all of the deaths actually mm-hmm. yeah and they're all spectacle because that means that damien can feed on more fear because mm. he's creating these spectacular deaths that people are then responding to and talking about more and more it would be a very different outcome if at that moment uh robert when he finds out his wife or sooner, but when he finds out his wife dies, if he just sat down outside by a tree and asked Jesus to come uh, fill him with love, then Damien wouldn't have been able to touch him. Yeah, because if you believe in heaven and all of that, then I guess you really shouldn't be afraid of it. So yeah, at the end... He travels back home with these special knives that he's supposed to use to kill Damien. Mm-hmm. And he comes into his house and the Rottweiler's there. But it doesn't attack him right away. It's kind of just like following him around the house. And then he makes it to Damien's room. He blocks the Rottweiler and he's going to stab him. Well, first he looks at his scalp to be sure that he sees the mm-hmm. mark of the beast. Because he wasn't 100% sure mm-hmm. until he saw that. What? Keep going. I'll tell you later. And so the Damien's sleeping, and so he takes scissors and like cuts his hair, cuts his hair, and finds the mark on the scalp that looks like ringworm, but it's the mark of the beast. And then so he's like, "Okay, it's real. I have to do this." And then suddenly Miss Baylock comes and like tackles him from behind and is fighting him off because she's protecting Damien. She's like, "Run, Damien!" And so finally he fights her off eventually, and then he gets Damien and he drives him to a church to do because mm-hmm. i guess it has to be done in a church on the way he like catches attention because he's driving erratically and mm-hmm. so the police follow him and so right when he's like at the altar in the church he's getting ready to stab damien they bust into the church and they're like stop or we'll shoot so he's stabbing and at the same time they're shooting and so i was like okay and then they show a funeral afterwards and it's two caskets so i'm like okay he stabbed damien at the same mm-hmm. time that he got shot so you think mm-hmm. they're both dead but then twist you see the president and the first lady there at the funeral Mm -hmm. because they were best friends. And then 
Damien is holding their hands. So mm-hmm. they have taken him in. Um, and the two caskets were the mom and the dad because she had died not that long ago. I figured that out. So they yeah. had their funeral together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then we know Damien has made his way into the White House, just like prophecy foretold. What were you going to say? The decapitation was gross and gory. Mm-hmm. But the part that terrified me the most was just the close-up of the scissors cutting his hair close to the scalp. Yeah. Like, what, the devil. And so, I mean, one could also argue that this movie is of Satan. It draws us in, and we can say it was a good movie. It's interesting to look at. The people that are in it are... Robert and Kathy are both very attractive. Damien's a pretty boy. The set, every everywhere they are in the movie is a beautiful setting that is an indicator of wealth. And it's like a way for parents to explain their children's behavior. Like when they were raised a certain way and they tried to raise their kids a certain way, but then the kids go against that and become like hippies and free love and then they're like, why is my kid acting this way? I raised them differently. It can't be me. It can't be anything I did. And so so blaming it on Satan is a good way to explain their children's behavior. Definitely. Which, again, <laughs> is like a denial of their own shadow. Yeah. So I want to do more research to see, um, is like the people that made this movie, mm-hmm. are they Catholic? Or is this like in support of the Catholic Church or an indictment of the Catholic Church? Right. Are they religious at all? Right. If it was like a everybody wants their own Rosemary's baby situation. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I actually was thinking that it was probably critical. Well, just because like, okay, the Catholic Church does not look good. No, it doesn't. Um, They're telling people to drink blood a lot. Which none of my Catholic friends have ever told me to do. (laughs) I just want to say. That's good. This would be fair. The quote at the end of the movie really got me thinking, oh, we just watched a propaganda piece. This is a warning. This is like a message from... Some people who think that revelation is coming and like, it seems like if you have a mission, you might want to be careful because people have a tendency historically to justify really bad behavior because they have a mission. Robert's going to kill a baby because God told him to basically. Yeah. Like it happens in the Bible. You said? Abraham and Isaac. And then God's like, okay, now that I know you're loyal to me. It's like, why I don't want to be around a God that's like that, that demands that. That's not the relationship I choose to have spiritually. If it is, cool, but please don't violently insist that I also practice it. Like that's where I have problems. Just to be clear of like anything that I say about the church. 
that message at the end is perplexing. Mm -hmm. What do you, what did you think about, about it? I felt like maybe it was just there to strengthen the message of the movie, just to like reinforce the fear that you were supposed to get from the movie of the fear of Damien and him like persisting. And since we know that he's alive at the end, that there's going to be more to come. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I didn't take it as like literally as that the people who made the movie were really believing this kind of doctrine, but Mm -hmm. I do want to look into it now that you've brought that up. (laughs) I just kind of thought it was more to strengthen the plot of the movie. I don't know what the question would be from this movie. (laughs) Like, usually there's some kind of situation in a movie where we would say, if this has happened to you, (laughs) have you ever had your head shaved to reveal the mark of the beast? Have you ever knocked your mom off a balcony while you're running your tricycle? (laughs) If so, (laughs) has your dad, has your dad ever given you a terrible haircut? If so, let us know at... Cover your eyes podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like our show, please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. You can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. And don't forget, we love it when you subscribe, rate, and review. Are we going to say see you next Tuesday still? (laughs) Okay, we could say bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That little shit, he did it. (laughs) He made his way to the White House.